back to another episode of the Decision Hour. I'm your host, Adam Bird. Folks, I got a great interview lined up for you today. I was introduced to this gentleman a couple months ago uh, through a mutual friend of ours, and the organization that this gentleman had founded is hits home for me on, on a personal level, um, and I think I, I, I'm certainly excited to talk more about it today and, and kind of what he's what he's doing. Uh, it's an organization called Wild Ops. So if you're listening to this, it means you're already on the internet. Open up another browser and go to uh, wildops.org, wildops.org, and, uh, and kind of follow along with us. So ladies and gentlemen, without further ado, Mr. Jeff Morris. Jeff, how are you, sir? I'm very good, and thank you for having us. Thank you. Absolutely. Jeff, uh, let's uh, listen. I'm going to I told you before, no holds bar. Let's dive right into this. Tell our listeners a little bit about you. Well, I'm a um, uh, a retired Chevrolet dealer, of all things, um, from a family that started a business in the 20s, literally, oh, and wow. three generations. And I um, uh, left that, but I'd always had a heart. I never served. I'm a civilian, never served. Okay upright uh all my friends going to nam and everything at the time and um uh wished i had um and but had a bigger heart as years especially over the last several years with suicides and all the wreckage we've seen and um but you know didn't feel like could do anything till a group of men that i fly fish with um and great organization um decided that they wanted to do a program. We were blessed to be able to fly fish and do this program in great waters. We should extend that to maybe inner city kids or veterans. And if we do, hey, let's ask Jeff. So that's kind of how it started. I said, okay, but only on with a caveat. And that would be that um, you let me write the program. I, I don't... Uh, at that time, we're, you know, I was wide open. Wide, I knew nothing about it. Okay. So um, I did a little research, and I found out that IRS said there were 7,000 veterans organizations, but the Bush Institute says there are 45,000. And with that, I thought, what am I doing? When you're a civilian, Carter, you don't know. So, uh, but God kept pulling me into this. And oh, uh, yeah. it's... um. It was a journey that uh, I, I we, we ran a op or program, if you will, in 2016, invited uh, 10 combat vets fly fish with us in Montana. And um, towards the end of that, um, I had a guy that I baptized right there in the river. And um, I just thought, you know, we can do this. We can make a change in guys' lives. And... Um, I didn't know how. Uh, we had an idea. So, <clears throat> but I wasn't alone. The other four or five vets with me at the time in that group to a small group said, yeah, let's do this. And so we came up with the name Wild Ops. We wanted to keep it wild. Yeah. We thought that was critical. And uh, everything had to have an operation and mission. So uh, it became Wild Ops. And um, we... Um, as I developed it, there was desire in my heart that uh, one, if um, 
if everybody else is doing this, I don't want to be one more guy. Right. And so there are probably people doing it a lot better. So I spent quite a bit of time looking at every organization there is, and every, it's pretty well covered. Right. Today, if you're a veteran, um, you can go fly fishing, you can go scuba diving, you can um, go, you know, uh, creative vets, uh, write a country western song, do great things, as well as um, programs that you know, work with hallucinogenics and this, everything under the sun is available. It was not that way in Vietnam. It wasn't that way. Right. But it is. So I'm very, I, I, I would never want to diminish what we have. Um, but I kept feeling like, why do we still have 22 a day? And why, with all these programs I was looking at, um, why was this so impactful, the op we did? So we tried to pull out the critical elements. We kept trying to break it down. And um, I, I'm a civilian. So I walked from this program three times, three times. I just felt like I'm not the guy. And God kept bringing me back to it. Um, it was um, kind of like Jonah refusing to go to Nineveh. No, you're going. And it came to me from... Uh, God made it clear that I want you to reach uh, to be a bridge between the military and the civilian community, which there's a big need for. And as well as uh, to be a student, the two elements that became and still are today is the beauty of being uh, non-military is I, I have to be a student. And, and with wild ops, our culture, our entire culture, all our leader, I'm the only civilian, is we all are students of the isolated combat veteran community. We study it, we learn, we ask questions, uh, we scrutinize everything we do to continually find a way to get more effective to reach the guy that does not want to be found. Um, that's kind of who we are. That's what we do. There's there's so many questions that are coming into mind. So would you say, first off, I want to, I want to, I want to say this and, and and recognize this. I love the fact that you that you bring up that you walked away from it three times, but yet you felt like God was giving you this purpose to to continue on with that. So I I think that's important to recognize that because as a as a a fellow Christ follower myself, that it's very important in my life. So so thank you for sharing that first and foremost. Um. You kind of hinted around, like I, that there might be a certain niche that you guys that that Wild Ops looks for because you you you'd mentioned, or you you had said that you know how do we go out and find the veteran that doesn't want to be found? Is that is that real? Is that who you're looking for for this program? Yes. Yeah. Yeah. And we found out fifty plus percent of our applications came from wives. Oh, really? Uh, and then we get the guys that that uh, the guys will be listening, the guys that come on, they they'd like to. Uh, they think about it, but they just don't want to take that step. Um, basically, the student in me looked at it. And here's what a civilian saw. Okay. The U.S. is incredible. We train our people beyond amazingly gifted, talented warriors that we send in best equipment, and everything else. 
and they know their weapons, they know the, the who's fighting with them, how to fight and go in to take out an enemy. They know their enemy. They know a little bit about his weapons and everything else, and they go in and their mission is to take out an, an enemy. And um, But then one of two, three, three things happens. One, they're wounded and taken off the battlefield, or um, they're, they come to the end of deployment. Um, and really, um, I'll just stick with just those two. But yeah. if that's the case, once they're back and they come back stateside, um, now they come back here and the enemy waiting at home is five times more effective at taking people down here than they were in country. Five times. Why if you it? look at the number that died in country and the people that died from suicides here. Now, if you take that number and looked at it, I thought, why? It's because when they get back, there's another enemy waiting for them that gets in their head and said, look, you're not worth it. Not to your family. You had to pull the trigger. What have you got to offer? These guys handle millions of dollars of equipment, highly effective, everything they're doing, and feel like they're not qualified for Starbucks, or that their emotions and the things that they don't, they feel they need to protect their families or their social settings from a response they might take. And so what, what we came to look at is that they, they come back, that begins the isolation. They do what is kind of written in their DNA, and that is that they construct a defensive uh, uh, safe boundary around them to yeah. protect their family and others from responses. And um, this was this is Jeff Morris's observation of what Wild Ops was predicated on. So how do you reach that? Yeah. If a guy is, is uh, not comfortable telling his wife about what he's done, understandably, um, doesn't think all of his reactions and everything are thing he quite understands how to manage when he gets back, but self-medicating and, and doing other things to manage all the things resulting from trauma. Yeah. And um, it's uh, so, yeah, that's our quest was to reach the guy that did not want to be found. So here's the million dollar question, Jeff, how'd you do it? How'd you crack that code? So we're still cracking it. Yeah. <clears throat> and, but what we found is, um 92% don't trust and won't I mean there's great work out of Auburn University on yeah. uh you know that veterans they don't feel comfortable with the VA with counseling with all these different areas but they will talk to another combat vet yeah that's one of several pieces they will so we'll approach it every way we can so the guy that's isolated himself and is done with programs and one guy actually told me, he goes, hey, look, um, this is it. I serve. It's combat. Life sucks, and that's just the way it's going to be. Just a real resignation in his voice. You know, uh, this is as good as it gets. It's in, I'm paraphrasing. Right. And I thought, gosh, you know, I, I can't accept that. And uh, we got to do more. And so um, as we kept working on it, we thought the other way to draw the guy out is to give him an opportunity to do something that might be a big opportunity he didn't have. Like, what if we take him fly fishing in Montana? What if we take him bass fishing to some great place in Tennessee or somewhere else? What if we take him into the Ansel Adams wilderness? What if we cover all the expenses? And what if there could be one little hook we could get that might have him just listen? So if we could have something on a website or a picture thing where they could see guys. Right. Some things, because 
the biggest thing I learned is the worst thing you can do with combat vets is to coddle them. It's the worst thing. Yep. Don't don't coddle them. Don't 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 feel sorry for them. Um, they need a challenge, uh, and they're looking for a challenge. Right. What we found is several things. One. We need to call to the warrior inside them and ask them to come out for one more fight. And this one for them to, to the, the mission statement of wild ops is get free or die. Now um, I've had attorneys and insurance guys tell me, Jeff, love your heart for all this stuff, but you need to change that. Um, you're taking suicidal vets out there doing this. You're, you're a nutcase. And I said, Nope, we're not changing it. That was written by combat vets. That came from them. Yeah, it's uh, they know it. Um, life and death is is something they're familiar with. So we we uh, we hold to that. Get free or die is going to remain our our mission on on that flag and on that. So we call to the warrior inside him to come out for another fight. We give them a venue in the Ansel Adams wilderness or fly fishing in Montana, something that maybe hunting, maybe something that that uh, would be a draw for them. Um, and we also know that the way we're going to have to crack the code in there is we're going to have to have another combat bat or somebody that's close to them speak to them. So I want to I want to back up a second, Jeff, because you, you mentioned a lot of the times when you reach out to these combat vets, the ones that don't want to be found, a lot of the applications, is that, am I saying that right? That, yes, that, yes. that are submitted to you guys come from a significant other or, 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 or whatnot. So when you reach out to the vets and, and talk to them for the first time, are they, are they surprised that, that you're reaching out to them? Yeah. And many of them are very hesitant. Many of them are just checked out. They're, they're not, they're not open to it. I mean, even after you go through, you're like, hey, this is what we'd like to do for you, blah, blah, blah. And they're just kind of like, eh. Yeah, it's a fight. This is a real challenge. You know, th this is a tough nut to crack, but it's worthy. Yeah. It's a it's a worthy challenge. It's one that um, we've got a guy that is on our leadership team. And uh, uh, EOD Marine that had been through a lot and was really struggling with every issue you could face. And uh, his wife filled out the app and uh, called and worked on him. He, he, he didn't want, his friend had to take him to the plane to get him to Montana. Oh, wow. And when he was there, he was having seizures. We'd be out walking to the, in our waiters along and he'd, he'd seize like three, four times a day. Um, and uh, didn't want to be there. Um, and, but he'd tell you, it changed his life. His wife would say the same thing. He's very, very big part of our leadership team today. So it's, um, uh, we also tell him the truth. Yeah. Look, you know, we're not going to ambush you. Um, you're going to get up in a week before we go. All hell's going to break loose and you're not going to want to go. Get on the plane. Um, and uh, the other piece, during the application process, we, uh, God bless all the programs that are available to vets. We're thrilled they're out there. Uh, but we know we're called to, mm -hmm. and we're just very clear about it. So if, if Adam, you've applied and we've gone through everything and vetted down your DD-214, your application, we called you, 
we got guys talking to you. Uh, you ask them questions. They tell you things. So you start to get more comfortable with who we are, where we're going. Okay. Um, that's a very big part of it. Once we get the applicant, once they start talking to another combat vet who's been through the program and answering questions, and we start going through making sure guys are self-medicating, everything, we want them in a good place where they can get them out of the program. If they're struggling with the divorce or this or jobs or all the things that they're struggling with, try and see how we can mitigate what we can do to make sure that works. So we work with them to get them into that place. Expenses are covered, everything else, uh, gear, all the stuff. But then at the end, when we reach in our group, come again, okay, this guy's approved, he's good to go. So Adam, then one of our guys calls you. So if I called you, Adam, the call would go like this. Uh, Adam, congratulations, you're approved. Uh, we got you slated for Ansel Adams or the wilderness or wherever you're going. Um, so I have one introduction and I have two questions for you. Uh, the introduction is to a woman. Uh, we're going to call her Johnny M. Johnny is a 81 year old Marine widow. Heard me speak at a church and uh, gives us a $30 donation every month. Johnny doesn't have that extra 30 bucks. It's sacrificial. Um, and what we didn't realize is after a couple months, we'd be doing printing or other things. And we'd sit there and realize Hey, don't waste Johnny's money. We're very careful. She embedded our culture with this real powerful stewardship. Uh, you know, people send us $10, $20 a month. We take it seriously. Right. So anyway, so so I'd say, Adam, that's who that's who uh Johnny M is. Um, but we want you to take it seriously also. So I'm gonna ask you two questions. Number one. Can you sit across the table for me and look me in the eye and convince me, you know, you need help and don't answer, but I'm gonna let you soak on that. Number two, can you sit across the table from me and look me in the eye and convince me you're ready to do the work? And I'm gonna call you tomorrow because I want you to soak in. I'm gonna ask you those two questions. And here's why. I wouldn't be fair to you if I had you come out with a group of 10 combat vets that said yes, even reluctant to those questions. This is not a place we bring guys in that just want to help other vets or just want to fly fish in Montana. This just isn't that trip. Right. This is for guys that are serious, that we're calling the warrior out inside them to fight to get free from stuff they're chained up with. If you want to get free, if you want to take that, this is the challenge. Yeah. Now that's the position we're in. Um, so then, and we quickly add to that. And just so you know, Adam, we're where 95% of every combat vet in their DNA say, I don't need help. They can't, they can't say that. So before you get stuck in that point, we want to tell you, we do this all day long with those apps. We want to collectively say, we know the trip's for you. We want you on the trip. We think you deserve this trip. We wouldn't tell you that if we didn't see that. And then we call them the next day and answer questions. Wow. I'm kind of, just, it's sinking in and it's just like, kind of, it's like a punch to the gut, even though we were just kind of using me as an example there, but it was like, so let me ask, I guess my next question that I have for you, Jeff, is how many of these trips do you, do you guys do a year? Well, we set up originally with a charter, and I just felt called on the original strategic plan. 
To get to the point where we would do 30 trips, that would be reaching 300 at-risk combat veterans a year across the United States. Okay. So we've been on target to reach that. We hope uh, uh, we did a little juggling this year, so we won't. Last year, I think we did 12. This year, we're set. We could do 20. Um, we've had some weather conditions and other things that affect us, um, but uh, it's uh, it's both combination of just making sure financial and applications to the right people. Um, but um, but the that's a very tough delivery I just gave you. Yeah. And so the guys that are listening. Uh, the piece that the piece that I want them to hear is um, the guys that have been on programs and go float a river and go through the thing and three days later, hey Sam, good to meet you, good being with you, and see you and walk. That's it. Um, or they go through a program and they go through this, but they realize they still have the anger, they're still struggling with their wife, they're still struggling with the same issues. And so, um, so those are the guys I want to say. It's going to be a fight. Yeah. It's going to be a fight. If you want to get free, it's going to be a fight. It's worth the fight. Yeah. And I will say as well, we're going to take you into some of the most incredible venues, fly fish thing that you could imagine. But we tell guys, you don't come for the fishing. And it's going to be incredible. However, we've got guys that come because I always wanted to fly fish in Montana. They say, well, we're just not that trip. Right. Let me get you a place we can. We got really good veterans organizations to do that. Everybody that applies comes in. We don't say, I've never said no to one person. I may put them into other organizations we have associations with that will help them go forward. They just want to fly fish. Great. I've got a couple of groups. I'm going to send you some emails and I'll call them and set up something for you. But Wild Ops is, is unique. Here's what we're doing. Uh, we're looking for guys that, maybe realize that possibly their son or daughter, you know, might not be getting everything from them that they need. They could be given as a dad. Um, they might be struggling a little bit of work. Um, they know the patterns and the issues they're facing. They're kind of resigned to the fact that with all the programs, nothing's changing. Yeah. So, yeah. So you're really getting into the nitty gritty of it with this, with this, niche group i'll say and, and, and i think jeff the one thing that i like about it is, is you, it's a cool experience sure fly fishing i i'm an outdoors guy i fly fish i love it anytime i can be on the water is it, it's great for me but reaching out and getting the guy that doesn't want to be found and then bringing them in and telling them, Hey, you, you, if you want to, if you want to change your life and you want to not feel the way that you're feeling and you want to be better then you have to take that first step. And, and we're, we're here to help. I, I think that's, there's something to be said about that. So hats off to you. Well, when, what, what we get from the veterans that go through the program, the things that we see that um, uh, reinforce for us. Okay we're honing in, we're getting really down to critical elements of our foundation of what Wild Ops does, is um, they miss the camaraderie. Yeah. Um, they haven't had a situation. But now, uh, when you bring them back out for six days, um, it's uh, at the end of it, we ask them to name the op. We tell them at the beginning, but they name the op. Two words, whatever was unique. And they come up with some great stuff. 
So um, Iron Edge, Stillwaters, Silent Killers, this you got all kinds of names that have yeah. for them really unique things about sometimes it's humorous, sometimes it's but it identifies uh Def Rod. I mean, they've got they that that's it. And um I will tell you, uh these guys they stay close and they stay connected. So before they leave, um, they've all got um emails and contacts and they zoom and and on phone calls, uh, you know, for years. So I've got a guy coming out here to Montana uh, in two weeks that was on the original op and um, in 2016. And we've remained very good friends. Uh, he actually came on a pilot project we did to do the entire John Muir Trail, 220 miles. And he did that. Uh, should have taken 20 days. He did it 14. Um, so the these guys stay connected and there's a reason why and um the primary focus of the trip is to get them out and challenge them in a wild setting but the other part of it the 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 part of it that is really critical is over all these years we've developed our program has developed a way you tell your life story in 30 minutes and it seems innocuous and uh but when you get around combat vets and when you get a chance to be around men like this that uh you really see the measure of a man when he's willing to take on the tough stuff and face it and you you and we start this process by leadership all all the, every one of these guys are combat leaders army marine whatever they are and they tell their personal story they lead off and um and they'll bear their soul. And we have what we call the vault. Uh, and the vault is a very simple principle. We come in, so if you're there and I say, okay, day one, we go welcome to the vault. And if you have a vault at home, you control everything you put in that. You control everything that comes in or out. You control it. Wild Ops develops that first night, welcome to the vault. And we lock it down. Everything stays here. Nothing leaves. No one has ever violated that. And to and to reinforce that, our leadership starts and puts stuff on the table. We have guys put things on the table they could go to jail for. They could go to that. I mean, there is nothing that they won't put on the table. And, and to a man, by the end of it, you'll hear guys say, I've never told anyone that. And the key is, you are a fool an absolute fool if you sh ever share that stuff together with people that you right. don't trust because you've developed that you know, that camaraderie you've developed in a short period of time brotherhood again the, the things that you were missing right I, I wow folks listen if you again if you're online listening to this open up another browser go to wildops.org jeff if, if if somebody's listening to this right now and they have uh, or they know, uh, you know, whether it's a significant other or family mother, uh, brother, father, what have you, and they think they should get involved, or if they want to make a donation and 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 volunteer or, or be a part of in some form or fashion what you're doing, what's the best way that that the listener can can get a hold of you guys? Yeah, the the best way and the easiest way is the the, the website has uh, where you can call in on the eight hundred number. If they just want to have 
some background, but, um, or they can go and donate right online. Um, we reach out to people. Uh, they can also hit the application uh, thing and just put in an application and uh, send it in. And within one of the things we started striving for, as I said, we want to remain a student is we set up a goal to have every, every response um, responded to by one of our, our wildlife guys within 45 minutes. Now that's pretty ambitious, but um, the reason we did it was um, there was a Marine Master Sergeant, I remember years ago when we were going through this from the Marine Wounded Warrior Battalion, and they were sending people to us. We had a long discussion and Mitty said, how long does it take for you to prove somebody? And I said, you know, if we have all the information, DD-214, five days. But what I heard him say indirectly without saying anything is, our guys have been waiting too long. That's what I heard him say. How long does it take you to say? And I asked him that. Uh, we talked about it. The average veteran that goes in for a program and looks at things, they can sit there for weeks or a month and not get responded to. And we said, that is not okay. Yeah. So if somebody sends in a request or anything, we we take a lot of personal pride in valuing the response. We And I can't tell you how many vets go, wow, I can't believe how fast you got back to me. Yeah. That's, I hope that's the start that they'd say, we want to earn the respect and we want them to see that we're, uh, that we dignify the, the effort and, and get back right away. So they can go online and uh, um, they can fill out an inquiry. They can fill out an application. Um, they can communicate and send things through contacts at wallops.org and we'll respond. Um, and that's the way most people, a lot of times, as I say, 50% of our applications will come in from a spouse or a family member. And, um, uh, and sometimes people will just have more questions. Sounds great. I'd like to do it. Uh, we try and tell people, take the jump. Um, you, you can always say no, fill out the application, yeah. scan your DD-214, put it in, and, and you'll be talking to a guy in no time, and he'll answer all the questions. You can still say no, but uh, crack that door open and step in. I love it. And, and take the step. I love it. Jeff, we're coming up on time, but I got another question I'd like to ask you, sir. You're on a show called The Decision Hour. We make decisions every day. Name a time in your life where your feet were on the line and you had to make that decision. What was it and what was the atmosphere like? Well, um, that's a big question. <laughs> <laughs> I, I'm thinking of several, but that's a good one. I want to give you the very best one I could. Um, uh, well, in uh, 2008, when General Motors was going bankrupt, they sent out letters and terminated dealers. And I received a termination letter from General Motors, terminating our franchise. They've been open for 86 years. And... Um, I talked to my brother about it, and uh, so I had to make the decision whether I was going to sign and go forward with a lawsuit against General Motors, going to arbitration or not. And uh, it's David and Goliath. Yeah. You know, you don't. Uh, and we only had six days, so wow. and I had I had eighty eight employees, so um, that's not an easy decision. Um, and I have other fellow dealers that I found were in the same place. 
you didn't have time to talk to a lot of people or talk to attorneys to figure out what your chance would. It didn't look good. Um, and so prayed about it a lot and looked at it. And I said, that's it. We're going to fight it. So we took a swing at the plate and, uh, and sent that off. And we went to court. Wow. And we won. Holy cow. And it made no sense. It didn't make any sense. There were 2,000 some odd dealers that uh, that got scrapped. And um, wow, that very good friend of mine, it was four day, uh, all these people had different uh, court appointed you know, hearings, like binding arbitration. And very good friend of mine shot himself day four of the trial. Um, had other people that, you know, you're, you have to go out and fire like 80 people that work for you for several generations. I mean, and your whole bit, you lose everything you've got. It, it was, it was terrible. Um, but prayed about it, stepped up and uh, we said, okay, we'll send it forward. So wow. that would have been my big decision. I wanted probably several, uh, but uh, I've had a couple others. I was also suicidal twice which is part of what makes wild ops very important to me. Well, let, now and, you, you got to go into this one now. Yeah. Yeah. Well, I was, I was suicidal twice and, uh, um, I, uh, was sitting with a 357 looking out, just had trauma in my life that, uh, I hadn't slept for, I think it was like five days I hadn't slept. And I was, I was just, you know, gonna want to end it. And, um, uh in the middle of it all i'm sitting there looking out two in the morning and um look at the moon and i had a gun and i'm sitting there ready to pull the trigger but i thought you know i just started looked up at the moon i started talking to guys i said god you're no loving god you couldn't be you're not and i basically you don't want to tell this in church but i basically mf god now veterans they love this story <laughs> they can relate to it but basically that's all i did i i basically you know, you know, if I could see, I'd shoot you. I said some pretty terrible stuff. Yeah. And, uh, but I said, but the only thing I've never tried, you're the only thing I've never turned my life to. And so I, I gave my life to Christ with the 357 on my hand and sitting out the moon that night and uh, changed my life. So I, Thank you for sharing that. That uh, God works in mysterious ways, folks. You've heard me say yeah. that before on the yeah. show, and and uh, clearly He has has a, a, a He's got a purpose for all of us. Sometimes we don't always understand it. <clears throat> Sometimes we don't see it. Oftentimes, let's be honest, we we oftentimes don't see it. Uh, but I, I'd also uh, venture out to say that there's a uh, a vast majority of us um, that aren't listening, and we need to kind well, of open well, up. And you know the thing about it was, I look back now, and Adam, I look at all those things that were of all the names that God may have provide everything else. To me, there's only one that said He's a Redeemer. <sighs> Just look at that. Look at the trash in my life. Look at all the paint. Look at all the stuff. Yeah. It's. It's a story that I can share and I can see veterans' lives change. Yeah. And and it's a part of a piece that uh I 
he drew me. I spent three years in prison ministry. And I, I, I love the fact because those guys know they're sinners. Yeah. And that's what prepped me for vets. They just don't believe God's grace is big enough to forgive them. And, and I could work with guys that I've been suicidal. I've gone through that stuff. I know what it feels like and smells like. Uh, I've seen with my kids and my family all that. And uh, so, yeah, I was a car dealer and I did all those things. But um, this is the most important work I've ever done. And, um, you know, you see guys that get their life turned around that we get a phone call from a mom with a suicide letter in her hand and, and her son's out in Montana with a 45 in his mouth, true story. And she's crying, kind of screaming, like nobody can help. And we took the call and over that, I think for about two years, I think we saved about seven. We had seven suicides we intervened in and uh, he's alive today. Wow. He's doing real well. Wow. Um, so yeah, it's, uh, um, there's hope out there. It's there's hope. Yes. Um, and I, I hope that there are people that are listening that would bring some questions and have somebody out there. My wife called it years ago. She called it my ghostbuster call. And I, I hate the term. We don't do it a lot, but basically it says all across America tonight, their wives that are seeing are struggling with a husband that they'd want to help. And they'll talk to a friend. They'll talk to you if you see them at the post office. And they, it comes up. They'll say, "You know, I need help. Who do I call?" But who do you call? Yeah. And that's the big question. Who do they call? Because they've been to the VA. They've been here, or they won't. The husband doesn't trust the VA. There's, there's. That's where they sit. And so, uh, what we do is go out with a, a biscuit thing and say, "Just, just call Wild Labs. Put an apple." Give us that veteran. Let us talk to them. Let our guys talk to them. Um, it's, uh, you can have an impact. We are seeing guys get free. And, um, and when you watch a group of vets that get together like that, and after five or six days, and they name their op, that camaraderie, that bond is tight. Yeah. Um, yeah. And, and those guys have bared their souls with each other. And uh, so anyway. I think it's great what you're doing, Jeff. And thank you for what, for what you're doing for the veteran community. Yeah. Well, thank you for, um, for giving us the time and yeah. uh, allowing us to speak to the, hopefully they're out of this. We'll get a couple of phone calls of a vet that might want to go in the Ansel Adams wilderness or fly fish or just want to get free. That's our hope. Wildops.org folks. Check it out. Jeff, thank you very much. Uh, folks, before we let you go, make sure you go check out our parent network heroes media group. Go check out all the shows, new content that's going up over there. If you are a podcaster looking for a home, we got one for you. Um, or if you're an author looking to take your, uh, book and turn it into an audio book. We can help you with that as well. Send us an email at info at heroesmediagroup.com. Until next time, you've been listening to The Decision Hour.